Happy Monday. Welcome to the program. Thanks a lot for hanging out. Pete Callender here on News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. The phone number is 704-570-1110, 1-800-WBT-1110. Email is Pete at thepetecallendershow.com. And uh, remember, get the uh, get the WBT app. You can listen live. You can get the podcasts. They come right to your phone for free. Um. All right, so a very, very big ruling. I was going to usually usually do these in the 2 o'clock hour, but the big ruling that just came down in the Alec Murdoch trial in uh, South Carolina, this is uh, – is, this was a big one, although now I see people, you know, all the experts, they're like, oh, as expected, this is what we expected to happen. I, I don't know. I, I, just as an aside, I, I don't know what the value is on the speculation all the time. I understand for, the, for lawyers, you, you have to think ahead. You got to sort of plan the strategy and all, but for just a court watcher and maybe this is why I always found myself better suited as a reporter because I just would I would ask what happened past tense tell me what occurred and then explain you know your thinking at the time and this and that but the predictive business I don't see a lot of value in I understand there are some people who do this and they are right all the time I guess I don't know do they keep track I know you know Rush used to keep track he was it's like 99.99%, I think, accurate on everything. So, And that was audited, if I recall correctly. Um, and so, uh, but I don't, I'm, I, I'm not good at it. <laughs> I recognize this. I say I don't make predictions on elections or jury trials, and this is why. Because you don't know, and people then just speculate, and if they're wrong, they never come back and say, oh, I totally got that wrong. I'm now 0 for 7 on my, on my uh, predictions for the trial. They never come back and say that. There's never any kind of an accounting for that afterwards. So I didn't know what the judge was going to rule on this particular issue. And what is the issue? Well, it's about the motive. Alec Murdoch, the now disgraced, disbarred uh, South Carolina attorney down in uh, Hampton, Colleton County area, the low country, or I think as a friend of mine said, he was watching some special or listening to some podcast and they called it the low county. (laughs) No, no, it's, that's not a, that's not a thing, but, um, well, that's what happens when you get people that parachute in from everywhere, you know, to to cover the the trial of the century. And just I want to take a, a moment here, tip of the hat to South Carolina being sort of the center of the news world for the last uh, 72 uh, hours or so. Well, probably the last like five days ever since that Chinese balloon, the espionage balloon floated across and then got shot down right off the coast of Myrtle Beach, which I think if somebody from Myrtle Beach does not swim out there, get the uh, get the wreckage and set up some sort of a tourist trap museum on the Grand Strand. Like, what are we even doing here? Like, what's the point? Okay, so you've got, and I will get to the balloon. I've got some, I got some update. By the way, did you see that big white thing? It was floating over the skyline this morning. Did you see that? It's big, white, round. I saw it. I took a picture, sent it out on the Twitter machine. You can see it, at Pete Callender. I think there's another one, but it kind of faded away after a little while. I don't know what happened. It just kind of got, like, dimmer and dimmer, and then it, just, then it was gone. It's very bright, bright white circle right over the horizon. Anyway, um, Mark Tinsley. This did not go very well for, uh, oh, sorry, hang on. I'm jumping ahead of myself. I do have audio. I just got finished cutting it up because the testimony like just wrapped up a few minutes ago and the judge made his decision. All right, so what did the judge decide? The judge decided after about three or four days of what they call in-camera testimony, 
which means outside the presence of the jury, they're, they're doing all of these financial crimes testimony. People that worked at the law firm, people that, uh, uh, that ran, there was a guy running a consultancy group that did like these structured annuities types of things. So when, so when people get a big payout, they move the money into like when you sue a company for you know, wrongful death or something, you get this big fat uh, check. And so in order to make the money last, you put it into a structured annuity. And apparently lawyers do this as well for their own pay. So when they get a big chunk of money and it creates a uh, an income stream for the rest of your life, that's the whole point is it goes into these investment vehicles and it kicks off a certain amount of money all the time. Um, and so the law firm that Alec worked at, well, it was family firm is PMPED or PIMPED as I call it. And then I actually did see a, they made t-shirts that said PIMPED. Yeah. They stuck an eye in there. Yeah. So I thought I was being clever and I'd come up with this unique branding for them, but apparently they had already done it. Um, so it was the longtime family law firm. The M and Pimped stood for Murdoch. Um, and the, uh, the office manager for the law firm, uh, who was like a, an accountant or whatever, she had noticed this was a couple days ago that, that she had noticed that. Uh, there was money that wasn't being paid out. And then there was this other guy named Chris Wilson, who's another attorney that had worked with Alec on some things. And Alec screwed him over by basically siphoning the money that was owed to either the other lawyer, in this case, Chris Wilson, or to his own uh, his own clients. People that Murdoch represented, that they had sued, they had won big settlements, and then Murdoch funneled that money into a fake consultancy company. And the name of the company, I'm not kidding, was called Forge. Like, if you can't see, I don't know how much clearer the signs need to be. The guy's name is Murder, and he's running a a, a shell company called Forge? Oh, come on, guys. Really? This is not obvious. This is like this is like cartoonish. Right? So, you know, it's like telling a story, and they, they you know, this is the villain, Mr. Dastardly. You know? <laughs> anyway, so... There was a company, there is a company called Forge that Murdoch was originally working with. Then he set up separate accounts at Bank of America, Palmetto State uh, Bank, and he would uh, would call them like DBAs, doing business as. And so then he was sending these checks to his accounts and siphoning the money and not giving it to the law firm. But the law firm tracks all of that. So... When the the day of the murders, June seventh, twenty twenty one, right? Uh, that morning, the office manager confronts Alec and says, "Where's all this money?" And Alec says, "Well, she, according to her telling of it, and she was not happy with Alec. She had some, <laughs> she had some anti Alec vibes. Uh, she'd known him for like forty years. She was she was hacked off, and." Uh, she confronted him and he kind of reacted like, why are you hassling me over this stuff? And then they got a phone call. He got a phone call that his father took a turn for the worse and was in the hospital. So at that point she drops it and you know, then it becomes, Oh, I'm so sorry. You know, is there anything we can do? You're my friend or whatever. He then takes off. That was the day of the murders. And so what the prosecution is trying to build, and then they presented a whole bunch of evidence. They started running through. They had some uh, financial people come in and bank officials come in talking about loans that he had gotten with a buddy of his who was on the board of the bank, one of the family members who ran the bank. 
Um, and so he was getting these these loans with no collateral down. And sometimes when collateral was listed as a loan, it was put uh, what was put up was property that was already over leveraged. They never would have approved those loans. So he was robbing basically from the bank as well. Millions of dollars, millions of dollars from the uh, from the law firm and robbing his own clients because then the law firm had to turn around and pay into those trust funds the money that Alex stole from them. So the law firm is out millions. The bank was loaning millions that they never got. Uh, they got money on. And so with the, the all of these financial crimes, according to the uh, state, show motive. They speak to motive. The house of cards and the moving of the money between all of these different accounts, it was all collapsing. It was all collapsing. And that, that leads us to this guy named Mark Tinsley, who was a personal injury attorney, is a personal injury attorney, and he's representing the family of Mallory Beach, the victim in the, quote, boat case. That was today. News Talk 1110-993-WBT. So the judge in the Alec Murdoch murder trial down in uh, Colleton County, he uh, ruled that the financial evidence against Alec Murdoch can be used by the prosecutors in the trial, even though he hasn't been convicted of these financial crimes. Now, there was one where it was... uh, it was a payout that went to the family of their former housekeeper who died at this same site at this Moselle hunting property. She, according to the story that was originally reported at the time, that she uh, she tripped over some of the dogs or something and fell down the stairs and died. Um, and so then Alec Murdoch went about going after the the homeowners insurance and uh, represented the uh, the the two sons of the late housekeeper, even though he it was his property. And then he took all the money and never gave them anything. And eventually they had to go after him, which they have since gotten uh, money from him, but that was done through what is called a confession of some, some, I don't forget what the title of it is, but it's, he basically said, yes, I did it. And then it, uh, it funded this account and moved the money from, I think the law firm or maybe from the insurance company or something. So Alex screwed them over too. And so that one, there's this, there's an admission of guilt there. But all of these other crimes, he has not yet been convicted on. There's like 90-something charges that he's facing related to all of these financial crimes that he is alleged to have committed. But the prosecutors want this into the record because they say when all of these, uh, these the shoes were falling here with the law firm recognizing, hey, we're missing uh, we're missing some money. And, hey, this money never got in here. Now they start piecing this together. This also occurs at the same time as uh, a development in what has been referred to throughout the trial as the boat case. The boat case. I'm, I'm going to get to that. So you have all of these uh, financial crimes that are all uh, falling apart all around him. They want it uh, admitted because they say it's going to speak to his motive that the house of cards is collapsing around him. And so, you know, he, he, he murders his wife and kid for the money so they can dispose of the property. So he could dispose of the property or something like they haven't made this connection yet. I haven't heard it. They haven't made the connection as to how you turn from, you know, money laundering or, or, or stealing 
granted over, you know, a decade, millions and millions of dollars. And you, you know, you're being disbarred. You're going to, everything's going to collapse. But why then do you murder your wife and son? How does, like, how do you get there? So there's, there's that component. The, uh, problem for the judge that he had to review is whether or not that would unfairly prejudice the jury against the defendant because he hasn't been convicted of those crimes. And so you could make the argument, and I'm sure his defense attorneys will argue on appeal. They're going to say, hey, this was unfair to bring all of this in. He wasn't convicted of these things. And the jury then assumed he was guilty. And because of that assumption, they then said, okay, we're going to convict him on the murder charge. I assume, like, I assume they're going to appeal that, but I don't know that. Um, that's what the judge had to decide. I think it's a 404B uh, uh, rule is what they were talking about. So the judge made that decision today, and he says, I've heard all this evidence. I've heard the testimony over three or four days, and it's enough. Yes, it speaks to motive. I'm going to allow it. So big win for the state today in the trial. Um whether or not it leads to an appeal, grounds for appeal later, I don't know, but maybe we've maybe they link it together somehow. All right, so the boat case. This is uh, where the youngest son, Paul, was driving the family boat drunk and plowed it into a bridge pylon and the, 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 the support beams. Plows into the bridge and... One of the passengers, there were, I think, six people on, five or six people on the boat. One of the passengers, a woman uh, by the name, a girl named Mallory Beach, she is ejected from the boat and died. Her body was recovered, I think, a week later, roughly. And her family wanted to get down to the crime scene where the boat uh, crash had occurred. They wanted to get down there. They were not allowed to get down there by the law enforcement officers that were there conducting the search. They did not want the family in there. And then as they were standing there, the Murdoch family shows up and they get access to the scene. And that set the family off. And so they were like, so the, you know, they're going to they're going to pay. And they went they're They're going to go after the Murdochs. And Paul, uh, when he when they first went to the hospital, Paul was belligerent. Uh, he was intoxicated. Uh, he was laughing on the side of the road while the cops were interviewing him. He was being yelled at by the boyfriend of the missing girl at that point, Mallory Beach's uh, boyfriend. He's screaming at uh, at Paul, uh, and this is all captured on the body cam footage. Now, I don't think any of this comes in but into this trial, but I don't know. They just keep referencing the boat case. So Mark Tinsley is the lawyer that the Beach family hires. And he's a personal injury attorney. And so the boat accident killed Beach in 2019. And what Tinsley then starts doing is naming all the defendants, right? Finding anybody to go after civilly. We're going to go after them civilly. That includes, there's a, a and this is important because you're going to hear some sound bites where this is referred to. Uh, Parker's is, I think, is the place they bought the beer. Um, his older brother, Buster Murdoch because Buster gave him a, a, an extra ID, because Buster looks like Paul. They're both redheads. Buster's 21. Paul was not, so Buster gives his younger brother a duplicate ID, which is what he's drinking on. They have all these social media posts of how the parents 
not being oblivious at all to the amount of drinking that their son was engaged in while underage. So they knew about this. They knew he was a danger. They knew he had done all of these things. They have all these videos. And so that's why they were going after Alec Murdoch uh, personally, which angered Murdoch. News Talk 1110 and 99.3 WBT. Going over the latest developments in the Alec Murdoch trial. We had uh, breaking news right before the start of the program that the judge will allow the financial crimes allegedly committed by Alec Murdoch, where he uh, defrauded and stole millions of dollars uh, over the course of years and years from his law firm, from his clients, from a bank. Uh, And now, according to Murdoch, in testimony from late last week, his friend, Chris Wilson, another attorney, that got stiffed by, for like a hundred, uh, was it like a hundred fifty thousand dollars or so? Uh, that's where uh, where we got this, you know, idea that Alec was battling an opioid addiction. And then, of course, when he staged his own shooting on the side of the road, and then when got airlifted down to a uh, to a hospital into a rehab clinic or whatever, like I, I don't know, I don't know why you're you're siphoning out. Millions and millions and millions of dollars a year for an opioid addiction. Like, that's that's a lot of opioids. So I'm not so, cl- I'm not so clear as to how this is involved or if it's, that was just a ruse, that was just a, a cover story he gave. I don't know. Again, I'm reminded of the, the prosecutor who said to the jury in one trial I covered years ago, where they said, and we know this is a bad plan. This wasn't our plan, though. This was the defendant's plan. <laughs> so don't blame us because this is a bad plan. All right. So uh, let me get Dean on. Hey, Dean, how are you doing? Good. How are you today? Hey, I am doing all right, I think. Yeah. Uh, I was just thinking on this Murdoch thing, and maybe I missed something, but it, there was like a dog biting his housekeeper and all that kind of thing and uh, how he cheated her. But don't you think maybe if we took it step by step... He went to her and said, look, you know, you can come at me, but you're going to have to have some deep pockets. And obviously she's a housekeeper and he's a very rich man that you wouldn't be able to, you know, you'd be broke by the time you won. And I'll take it and, you know, it won't be anything out of your pocket, but there'll be a settlement and I'll get the money. And that's sort of my payment for, you know, not uh, ruining your life. So she, well, they never had a conversation because when she, you know, fell, quote unquote, uh, down the stairs, uh, she got taken to the hospital. I think she was in a coma and she never recovered. So and so then it was uh, Alec who told her sons, you know, we have homeowners insurance. We'll take care of this. We'll go after the insurance company. And so last week they called and this was outside the presence of the jury too. one of the sons. And he testified that he thought his lawyer was Alec because he knew the family. His his mom had mm-hmm. been their housekeeper for years, like 20 years or something. So th- he thought that he that Alec was looking out for him and uh, was never was never uh, paid while Alec was still in charge of the case until eventually, you know, everything, uh, uh, everything came out after he, you know, the, the wife and uh, son were murdered. Oh, okay. No, thank you. That makes a lot more sense. Well, I didn't... He took... Ad- yeah. I didn't put together. Yeah, so. he took advantage of her kids who trusted uh-huh. him to go after what they thought was the insurance company, then he was going to get all these millions of dollars, 
and he was going to divide it among those two, and among uh-huh. the two sons, and he never did that. Oh, yeah, that's not very nice. No, it's not. And he wasn't even their attorney because he couldn't be because he was the party getting sued. Right. I mean, he was. Yeah, it was his property. So but they the kids didn't know that these two, her sons didn't know that they just they trusted him because he was like family to them. So, yeah, Dean, I appreciate the call, buddy. Thanks. Thank you. All right. See you Um, right now. Actually, the. the, the home care nurse for Murdoch's mom is actually on the stand now. Um, I believe the jury is present for this, and she's testifying how Murdoch showed up at his mom's house. Uh, I guess this was a couple days after the murders. Shows up at the house with a which, what the housekeeper called what looked like a blue tarp in his hands, like cradling it in his hands. He came in. He went upstairs. And he did not, um, she says she doesn't remember if he went and saw his mom, but his mom was asleep. And so this is what the prosecution, I think, is they're they're saying that this was the rain jacket. She saw him deliver the rain jacket upstairs. The rain jacket that the prosecution then learned had been put into the house. They then went and got the rain jacket. They then tested it, and it had uh, GSR, gunshot residue, on the inside. And so what seems to me to be the theory of the case seems like they're saying he used the rain jacket to scoop up his clothing. Because to me, and I mentioned this last week, right, to me, the fact that we got a video of him wearing one set of clothes two hours before the murder, uh, the, the double murders, and then you've got him wearing another set of clothes after the murder, an hour after the murders, then what happened to the original pair of clothing? Because the second... Clothing, that shirt, those shorts, they were all tested and and there was no residue on any of that. But what about the blue shirt and khaki pants that he was wearing in the video that Paul shot two hours prior to the murders? Where did those clothes go? Did he ball them up? Did he dispose of them in, uh, in that rain jacket? But why not just get rid of the rain jacket then too? I don't know. Maybe it's his favorite rain jacket. I don't know. Like I'm just waiting to see where, where the prosecution is going to be able to connect these dots. All right. So this guy, Mark Tinsley. Attorney for the Beach family, he's coming at Alex personally, civilly, get him to pay. Because he says, we all know that um, that he's got money. Everybody around the area knows he has money. And he's like, I'm an attorney. I'm a personal, uh, personal injury attorney. I see he's got cases moving all the time. I see he's getting settlements. So I know he's got money coming in. And then when he's told by uh, Murdoch's uh, associates and, and and his friends and like, hey, you know, why are you going after him civilly? He's broke. He's broke. He's like, I know he's not broke. So let's apply some pressure. Let's go after him. Let's get his finances. He testified that before, well, early on, he said Murdoch allegedly tried to intimidate him. This was in a, uh, it was at a trial lawyers conference. That sounds like fun. 2019. After the boat case, after the boating crash, Mallory Beach is killed. Paul Murdoch um, driving the boat, right? Um, Tinsley gets hired to represent Beach's family in the wrongful death lawsuit. Paul is named as a defendant, but so is Alec. They go to Hilton Head for this trial lawyers association, and he says Murdoch tried to bully him out of seeking compensation. So what they wanted to do was say, hey, just go after the insurance company. Go after them. But the Beach family was so mad 
at the way the Murdochs allegedly tried to cover it all up the night of the crash when they were at the scene. They went to the hospital. They started coaching all of the other kids that were involved in the wreck. They started trying to tell them, oh, this is what you need to say. And, you know, don't just you don't remember who was driving. Just say that. He says, Alex sees me at the conference. He comes across the room. He gets up close in my face and he says, hey, Bo, what's this I've been hearing about what you've been saying? I thought we were friends. And Tinsley said the confrontation was a response to his effort to have Murdoch pay the wrongful death lawsuit to Beach's family. And he said, Alex, we are friends. But if you think I can, uh, if you don't think I can burn your house down and then I'm not going to do everything I can, you're wrong. You need to settle this case. The point of the confrontation, he said, I took it as he tried to intimidate me, but he did not intimidate me and sort of bully me into backing off. Next up, he then says, because he was told Murdoch was broke, he starts asking for their finances. Let's see the let's see the financials. Give me the accounts and all of this. And so he goes to the court and he says, this is what we want. But all of the cases I mentioned, this uh, the, the, the convenience store where they bought the beer the night of the boat crash, they were also one of the named defendants. And so there were a whole bunch of these motions. I got to be honest. I don't know what the defense was trying to do with this, where they were they were nitpicking on like these court orders, because essentially what happened is Tinsley is saying, I'm trying to force the Murdochs to settle. And I want them to pay out a whole bunch of money because I know they're not broke. When When they keep saying he's broke, then he's like, well, well, I want them to prove that. If he's broke, then that's a different story. But I don't believe that he's broke. That's why we want the financials. So they file a motion to compel. A motion to compel that you give this stuff to us. That in and of itself isn't the big deal. What was the big deal was that Murdoch's attorney in this case was one of his partners. A guy by the name of Danny Henderson. And as part of the discovery, as part of the, the collection of the evidence to provide, if they have to give it over, if they have to provide the, the financials, Danny Henderson would see what Murdoch was doing. That's the problem. It's not even really the boat case. It was just that the boat case and the motion to compel would allow one of the partners to get ev- to see firsthand where all of this money is going and wh- how are how are you broke, Alex? How did that happen with all the millions of dollars? Oh, wait a minute. Why are you getting all of these millions of dollars into your account all the time? This was the money that was supposed to come to the firm. Shelly Smith continues her testimony down in South Carolina in the Alec Murdoch murder trial. She was the nurse for Murdoch's mom. And so she's testifying about how she saw him arrive at his mom's house early in the morning, a couple days after the murders, came in with a blue tarp, she said, on his hand, took it upstairs. Then she said she thought he left, but then apparently he came back like 10 or 15 minutes later, got into a different truck, drove that one. He's apparently moving vehicles or something. So that's happening right now. I don't know all the details as it's occurring, obviously. I'm just kind of dipping in and listening during the breaks. But this morning, the judge determined that the jury can, in fact, hear the testimony from probably, I want to say there's probably about half a dozen witnesses that all testified about how Alec Murdoch was stealing money. And 
the theory, I guess, is going to, you know, the theory of the case is going to hinge on like this financial motive that the uh, the walls were closing in, the house of cards collapsing, you know, whatever analogy you want to use, uh, and that the only way out maybe he saw it was that it, uh, was to kill his wife. And I know there's discussion about an insurance policy or something. Does it exist on his wife? And they're saying, no, it doesn't. But that's not unusual because for high wealth people, they can... Uh, dispose of certain assets very quickly, like the house in Edisto Beach or whatever. So they got to make that connection. I don't think you can make this argument that the financial crimes were what motivated him to murder his wife and son, but then not show the payoff. You got to show the payoff somehow. It can't just be, oh, he was trying to get sympathy. That can't be, I don't think that's, I, I think that's too far for a lot of jurors to to say, okay, yeah, he blew his son's head off with a shotgun at point-blank range because he wanted sympathy? So Mark Tinsley took the stand this morning. He's a, a personal injury attorney. I'm not sure the uh, not sure the defense attorneys <laughs> were quite ready for this guy uh, because they tried to... So the state gets up there and they start saying this was the day of judgment, right? that he files this motion to compel to get the financial records from Alec Murdoch and that Alec obviously knew that once he produced these records, then his law partner, who was representing him in this civil trial or the civil case, rather, over the boat case, uh, he knew that Alec was stealing money and this was all going to this was all going to blow up in Alec's face. And so the prosecution called it at some point the day of judgment was coming. And so the defense latches on to this term. And so they're dead set on countering this idea that it's a day of judgment, which was kind of, it was kind of silly to me, I think it, because that it just, it, it angered the attorney who is being, you know, who's under cross-examination and he's an attorney. So he's pretty good at pushing back and getting stuff in and saying things in his answers in a way that you know most non-lawyers uh, probably are not. So he's trying to explain to the prosecutor, or sorry, to the uh, defense attorney, guy by the name of Barber, uh, Philip Barber, who keeps trying to confuse the motion to compel that the judge had had ruled on in that boat case. And the judge said, well, for the convenience store that sold the alcohol, I'm going to say no to that one. But for Alec Murdoch, yes, you can compel him to give you the finances. But he said no to Parker's, the convenience store. And so the defense is trying to conflate these two things together. And at one point, Tinsley says that's not the order. And he's like, oh, well, you know, uh, uh, do you have a copy of that order? And he says, well, as a matter of fact, I do. And he opens up his coat. And he pulls the thing out of his coat pocket, inside coat pocket. And there's the order. And so they read it. And so the guy's like, I'm not really sure. This is a separate thing for the convenience store. And it was just a motion to delay. So it's not really, uh, it's, it's not really judgment day. And so Tinsley keeps saying, well, they're two different cases. Yes, the, the, uh, the, the, the convenience store got delayed. Or, or got denied, rather. But Alex was allowed to move forward. That's the problem. And eventually, it it kind of comes to a head here. That request for that financial information from Parker's that was going to be heard on that June 10th, they just, along with all these other motions that had piled up, 
in a case that apparently wasn't moving very well, quickly. Well, I, I, I understand you don't want to acknowledge what I've handed you, but... <laughs> Um, Sir, I asked you what the ruling was on the motion uh, well, it, from Parker's. It was very limited, and as it related to the percent of sales of alcohol that made up his profit, uh, it was premature. The judge ruled, unlike he did in that order I handed you, that it was premature at the time. For Parker's. Why was it premature? Well, the difference between Parker's and Ellick is, is that Ellick had, and his lawyers had, 25 videos of alcohol. They had the punitive damages evidence. You didn't see that with Parker's. It was just a straight-up transaction in sale. So to the extent you're suggesting that there wasn't this evidence, there were these mere allegations of negligent parenting, that wasn't the case. That wasn't the you argument. You presented that evidence to the court? I didn't have to present it to the court. That's what you don't understand. John Tiller knew about it. John Tiller is the one who's responding because John Tiller knows ultimately he's going to be in front so of the you're judge. you're saying the court... Well, granting your motion, though, obviously it was saying there might be a hearing on the motion, and maybe at that hearing you would present some evidence in support. But I don't think that's what it says. I mean, I don't think that's what it says. It's literally written right here. Tiller was one of Murdoch's other attorneys who has since passed away, but he was also a friend of this lawyer guy that you just heard, Tinsley. So they're working together. And so when he's like, get me because COVID hit, and he's like, you know, get me this, uh, the, the financial stuff. And Tiller said he would do that. And what the defense attorney is apparently unclear on is what this motion to compel did or did not do. And he says, you're not, you're not listening. These are two different cases. Like one is negligent parenting and the other is the simple transaction at the, at the convenience store. It's different. I'm going after them in different ways. And he says, and it doesn't even matter. I don't even care what the financial said. I'm doing it to put pressure on Murdoch to settle. I want him to agree to a settlement. And so, yeah, I'm going to I'm going to throw all these things, motion to compel, and I'm going to go after him to, to apply pressure. But when Alec is stealing, walls, walls are coming in. 